In Jesus' name. You may be seated in the presence of God. And I have this. My hope is built on nothing else than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Away the spiritual ear works from our ears, blessed Father, that our ears may not be dull of hearing, 
that our hearts, O oh God, may be recipients of the things that you speak, to obey you instantly, to obey you, Father, without a cause whatsoever, not to resist you, blessed Holy Father, that we may be called children of the living God. I vow to give you all the praise, blessed Holy Spirit. Let heaven speak and let the earth hear. Let divinity speak and let humanity respond and respond positively, blessed Father. I know you have answered our prayers. Quicken every single heart, blessed Father. And cause us to rejoice in your presence on the last day. In Jesus' precious name we pray. You may be seated in the presence of God. Can you open with me to Matthew 7? We'll begin to read from verse 24. Matthew 7. Begin to read in verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Open also with me to Luke 17. We we'll begin to read from verse 20. Luke 17, we we'll begin to read from verse 20. If you are there, say amen. Luke 17 from 20. And when the, he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Either shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto his unto disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say unto you, See here, or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For the lightning that lighteneth out of one part under, the, under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven. So, also, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things, and be rejected of, the genera- of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, and one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, and one shall be taken, and the other left. 
Two men shall be in the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Praise the Lord. The Bible shows graphically that at any given time in the human race, there are two generations of people, there are two classes of people, there are two categories of people, there are two groups of people. At any one time, you have two generations of people, two classes of people, two groups of people. And Jesus here talks about that and it's so very important. One group is different from the other. And one group is so distinct from the other that they cannot be brought together. One is diametrically opposed to the other. So Jesus here talks about this. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you will also see that is the Cain group of people, or what I call the Cain generation, that is also the Abel generation. That is what I call the Ishmael group of people, that is also the Isaac group of people. That is the Esau group of people, that is also the Jacob group of people. So you will see one group separate from the other. There were ten virgins. Five of them belonged to one group. The other five belong to yet another group. There were two thieves, one at the right-hand side of Jesus, and the other, side, the other one at the left-hand left, left side. And one is different from the other. Two distinct groups of people at any one time in human race. Whether you have 400, you can only always polarize them into two distinct groups, two groups of persons. And here, Jesus Christ started to talk about his, his sermon, the sermon on the mount. He started from Matthew 5, and then he moved on to Matthew 6, and now he, was, he is now in Matthew 7. And then in Matthew 7, he was rounding up. He was moving to the climax of his message. He was put, put, putting the finishing touch to his message. And what does he have to say? Jesus says, and it's very important, we, we, we listen. He says in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth this saying of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the flood came, the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. I love that. You can see the distinctiveness here. He sets the two groups apart. And he now says... In this, in this verse of scripture, that there are two distinct groups of people, and then these two groups of people, they are so different. One of them built his house, and he built it upon a rock. But he said that whosoever hears these sayings of mine, man or woman, whosoever, literate or illiterate, whosoever, religious or outwardly or outrightly paganistic, whosoever, whoever you may be, boy or girl, that hears the sayings of mine and obey them. And obey them is likened to a one that built his house upon a rock. And that house was subjected to the testings of weather conditions. Rain and flood and sandstorm. And the Bible says, Jesus says, He stood and He stood firm. On the other hand, Jesus now says, Whosoever 
that heareth the sayings of mine and does not respond to them positively. It's likened to somebody who builds his house upon his sand. The rain came. It was subjected to testings of weather conditions. And the Bible says he could not stand the test. It fell. And its fall was catastrophic. Now, what is Jesus Christ talking about? It means that one is counted wise, another is counted foolish. But I want to tell you, when Jesus Christ, what God, when God says wise, it's not talking about the intelligence of people, the academics of people, the wisdom of men. No, he's not talking about the stupidity and the foolishness of men. No, he's saying what in the sight of God is wisdom. And what in the sight of God is utter and arrant foolishness. So Jesus categorizes these two groups of people. That one builds his house upon a rock. Another builds his house upon the sand. That's why we are, we are singing. On Christ, the solid rock. I build. That's where you're going to build. So that's where you're going to build your house. That's where you're going to build your house. Now listen, it's very important. Here, there are generations of people. The generation of Lot. And the generation of the wives of Lot. The generation of the wives of Lot. It's important. And we see that Jesus says, in this verse of scripture, it says, remember Lot's wife. And this is very important. Why? Because from verse 20, Jesus Christ was talking to the Pharisees. They asked him a question, and then he posed the answer to that question. So he was answering the, the, answer, the, the questions. In verse 22, the Bible says that he now said to his disciples. He was not talking to the world. He was talking to his disciples. And then he started narrating events. He was narrating events. And narrating events. And he now says that, in all of that, he now says, whoever builds his house, that's in Matthew 7, and no matter what, your house is built upon a solid rock. In other words, when that house is built upon a solid rock, you are sure, you know, that their foundation is sure. No matter the testings it goes through, that foundation is strong, is solid. It will not cave in. It will not collapse. And now he says that whoever, whoever hears these things of mine and you obey these things of mine, he says, I will liken you to somebody who builds his house upon a rock. In other words, when God says a thing, the word of God comes to you. And no matter what you're going through, no matter the testings, you stand to obey the word of God. Jesus says, you are like him to a man that builds his heart upon a solid rock. He counts you as wise. That's a wise man. Why? Because no matter what you are going through, no matter the hard times, you stood on the word of God to obey him, and then you obeyed. There are those who will not want to obey for one reason or another. And they want to make excuses. Jesus says, and because they don't obey, 
they are destroyed and their destruction is enormous. Their destruction is enormous. Why did he say so? Because he looked at this very event, this very top event, top incident at that time, and then he refers to it. He refers back to it. Way back Genesis 19, and he goes down there, he reminds his disciples, listen to me, he was not reminding the world, he was reminding Christians like you, like me. He wasn't talking to the, he was talking to the body of Christ, the church of God, he was talking to the church of God. And now he says, remember Lot's wife. If you take your cue back to Genesis 19, you will remember also that in Genesis 19, the land, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were drunken in iniquity. They loved sin and they were adding sin to sin. Sodomy and all kinds of atrocities and iniquities. So they were totally drunken in their own sin. And they refused to repent. And the Bible says that it bothered the heart of God as he had created man. And God said I was going to, he was going to destroy these cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he sent forth his angels to go destroy these two cities. And when the angels went there, they said, Lord, move your things. We're about destroying these cities. And the Lord went to his sons-in-law and he told them, let's move out. The Bible says the sons-in-law never even wanted to listen to him. What is he saying? And then the angel said, move, we want to move, we want to move you. The Bible says they lingered, they dilly-dallied, they were wasting time. So immediately the angel held the hand of Lot, held the hands of his, his wife, held the hands of his two daughters, his two daughters, and moved them outside Sodom. And they were going, he said, go to the mountains. Do not look back. You go to the mountains. And the Bible says, that day, God rained brimstone and fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And while that was happening, the wife of Lot looked back and instantly became a pillar of salt. What calamity. What heart-rendering calamity. And Jesus looks at that and he says, remember Lot's wife. Do you know what it means? It means that Jesus looked at that instant, that incident, and now refers to it. And he said, the church, no matter your rejoicing, no matter the blessing, do not relent in your holiness. Do not relent in your righteousness. Do not relent in obedience to the gospel. Obey the word of God. Why? Because he did not say, remember Miriam, the prophetess. Mm -mm, he didn't say that. He didn't say, remember Abraham's wife, Sarah. No, he did not say that. He did not say, remember the harlot, Rahab. He didn't say that. He points way back into Genesis and finger points on this woman and he says, remember Lot's wife. And then he said, he begins to divide the entire thing into two. So two women will be in the field, one will be taken. Two men will be on the back, one will be taken. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken. And then he divides everything into two. It means that it's the generation of Lot that is also the generation of Lot's wife. There is the generation of Lot's wife in the church of God Almighty. How frightening that can be. 
how frightening that can be. That in the church of God, that hear the word of God, that receive the blessings of God, that we shake hands after every close of, of, of the church and exchange pleasantries and say, thank you, God, and say, God bless you. But right there, Jesus is saying, there are those who don't obey me. There are those who are in the category of Lord's wife. That's what he's saying. It means you have to search your heart. It means as you are seated on that seat, time is coming when there will be no time. When it will be so difficult for anybody to repent. And Jesus is saying, that incident, don't you ever forget. How easily people forget that incident. How easily. You don't hear it in the pulpit any longer. You don't hear it at all in the pulpit. Why would a woman on her own refuse to obey God? That's when you say Lord's wife, does not mean a woman, it means a man. I mean, it's, 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 the gender is not, it's not a feminine gender. He's using her as a symbol of every disobedience. That's what he's, that's what he's using. That's what he's using. And don't forget, Lord's wife professes to be a Christian. A believer, they don't call themselves Christian. A child of God. Just like you and me. Everybody professes to be a child of God. She professed to be a child of God. Lord's wife was moved out of Sodom, for God's sake. She enjoyed God. Do you know that? Because she was there when Abraham was praying. Abraham would pray. Sarah would pray. They were living with them in the beginning. So she saw mighty men of God. Abraham, the great patriarch, she saw him pray. She saw him, you know, she was there when Abraham went out to count the stars. When God said, go count the stars. She was there. She was there when Abraham, you know, the family of Lot, they were taken captive by enemies. And God moved Abraham and his subjects all together. And they went and they battled with this enemy. And they won the battle. She was there. She was there when he was coming back from battle and Melchizedek, king of Salem, the high priest of God, met with Abraham. And Abraham sacrificed unto Melchizedek. She was there. Lord's wife was there. She was there. She was there when God blessed Abraham and all that will come from his offspring. She was there. She enjoyed God. She saw everything. Just like you are enjoying just like you have the privilege to hear the word of God. Multiplied millions of people around the GCC do not have that privilege to hear the word of God. Lord's wife had that privilege. In the times of Lord's wife, it was not common. The word of God was not common. Only a privileged few had the word of God. Like Lord, his house, his daughters. Uh, his sons-in-law. They all had the word of God. Lord will go out and preach and, uh, and talk to the, to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and they will not hear. But she was there. She had the privilege of angels coming to her. And because she was lazy, they held her hands and moved her house into safety out of Sodom. She was there. In other words, she experienced the, the touching or the touch of the angels. She saw that. But do you know Outside all these things, there was something on the inside. It is not the outside experience. It is the experience on the inside. 
It's the experience on the inside that Lot's wife did not yield to. If you don't yield on the inside, and everything is outward, it's just a veneer, it's just superficial, it does not hold water. You fall back down there to the drain. So Jesus Christ, in his love and his compassion, because he loves humanity, he looks at the church of God. He looks at you, he looks at me. And he says, remember Lord's wife. When I look at John 11 and 32, I also remember that it is the shortest verse of scripture where it says, Jesus wept with compassion. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus. He knew all that. But because the Bible says he is, he, he is acquainted with grief. So, because they, they wept, they were weeping, he wept along with them. That was the shortest verse of scripture. John eleven thirty five, And here in Luke 17, 32, it's a three-letter, three-worded three, three statement. And it says, remember, Lord's wife. That's the verse. So outside of John 11 and 35, the shortest verse that is filled with volume is this one. It speaks volume. It goes down into the ages, across generations, that you will never forget when you sit before God. You will never forget when you are at work. You will never forget when you are on the bed. You will never forget when you are in the secret where God, no man is there. When God is there alone with you, remember, Lord's wife. It rings. It's ricochets. It comes back and rings and rings and rings again. Remember this woman, Lord's wife. It's amazing. It's amazing. So you ask yourself, am I of the category of Lot? Or of the category of Lot's wife? What is it in my life that holds me bound? That I'm not completely giving up. I'm not completely yielded to God. What is it in my life? You ask yourself. You know, the Bible says, know ye not yourself. That don't you know yourself? That's what the Bible says. He said, don't you know yourself? Don't you know yourself? Because the entire world and the entire church is filled with people. Mixed multitude. Multiplied all over the place. Everybody calls the name of Jesus and all that. But on the inside, there is a stumbling block. There is a stumbling block. You ask yourself, what is it that will make me be categorized as within the group or within, within the generation of Lord's wife? Where am I? Am I in the generation of Lot or in the generation of Lord's wife? Am I in the generation of the will of self-will or in the generation of the will of God? Where am I? You can identify what is wrong on the inside and categorize yourself. Because you see, what God does is that He brings His word and then He sets you free. Immediately you say, God, have mercy upon me. And when you say, God, have mercy upon me, God demands consistency. Consistency. Don't go back to the dreams. Don't go back to your vomit. Don't ever you go back to your vomit. Why? Because He loves us. In his love, in his compassion, he's crying out. Because he died to save us. He died to save us. Lost wife. When I begin to look at Lost wife, what tells me about her? 
On the outside, you see church. On the outside, you see pleasantries and greetings. And oh, praise the Lord, brother. How are you doing and all that? But the inside is different. When I see Lord's wife, I see a man that has the skin of Esau. But the voice is the voice of Jacob. It's so confusing. I don't know, don't know where to categorize them. So Jesus, look at the church in Laodicea. And he said, you are neither lukewarm nor cold. I wish you were cold or lukewarm. Just give me yourself. Let me know. Let me identify you. If I identify you, then I know where you are. You don't put one leg in the church and one leg in the wall. No! Say, identify yourself. So Lord's wife was within that category. Within that category. So the privilege she had and she enjoyed, we're enjoying more. Do you know that? Now the veil of the temple is open. And with boldness you can go into the holies of holies. And with boldness we can sing aloud and say, God, you are so sweet, you are so good. Because the Bible says, the glory of this latter house is greater than that of the former. And that's what we enjoy. And because we enjoy that, we cannot afford to be in the category of Lord's wife. We can never afford to be in that category. And you have to understand this. That when God pleads with you, He spends time with you. He spends time to beckon, to prompt you, and to say, my son, my daughter, this life, this, the way you talk, the way you behave, is different from, from me. Look at my life. I'm lonely. I am loving. And most times people refuse. Do you know the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 14 and 12, it says that is the way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof. A ways of death. It's frightening. That is the way. In, in, in Nigeria, sometimes we say, now your way. You know why somebody say, now your way, which means something is wrong with you. He says, now your way now, which means that something is wrong. Bible says there is a way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are ways of death. The worst place to be it's in the midst of the children of God. And in the end, you don't go to heaven. That's the worst thing that can happen to anybody. It were better that that person were of a different faith and religion and never knew God. It were better you never knew God. It were better we never knew God. Because this woman enjoyed the promises of God. But then, that promises was not within her. She looked back. Sometimes I begin to wonder why she will look back. Sometimes, does it not seem to you that it's so trivial an offense? The Bible says, and she looked back from behind her husband, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. She looked back. That's not something that is trivial. Let me tell you. It tells of the character of this woman. It tells of a long-standing disobedience and proud look. It tells of the fact that she has been in sin. She will fall and one day up again and fall and up again. And she has been enjoying that situation. Otherwise, 
You ask me a question. That was the only test. Because God said, don't look back. Don't look back. You don't need to look back. Why must you look back? Don't look back. But, in complete defiance to the word of God, what can he do? That's rebellion. I've been doing this kind of thing. He understands. I mean, God understands. So, what is it? What's there? This is me. This is my life. There are people who are Christians and they say that. This is my life. This is me. They don't submit. You don't even want to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. You could be sitting here. You could be sitting here. I want to say, Jesus cried over Jerusalem. Say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that will stone the prophets, and as many as come to you, you want to kill them. He says that, I would, I, I wish you come under my, 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 my feathers, and I will protect you. He's saying the same thing to you. He's saying the same thing to you. That for so long you will realize that it's been up and down and up and down in your prayer life, up and down. It's as if you are always interested in the things that are not of God, that are of the world. And sometimes you ask yourself, that's just your prayer life is, is neither here nor there. That's why you, you wake up in the night and, and you sleep back again. And sometimes you hear a message from the pulpit and you say, no, 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 now, God, I'm going to be serious for you. In another three days, you are back down there to the quagmire, to the drains of, of, of insensitivity in the spirit. Jesus is saying, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Hmm. Do you know that there are times you can be in the midst of the people of God. Hallelujah. Turn to your right and tell the brother God loves you and we are rejoicing and all that. But on the inside, there is no change. On the inside, you still go back, you do the same thing. If it's filthiness or adultery or fornication or whatever thing you're doing, you are still there. One day you are up, the next day you are down again. Or maybe in your workplace, all kinds of some dirty business, you are still head and neck into it. And God is crying. And Jesus is screaming, remember Lord's wife. He's screaming, remember Lord's wife. Why? Because hell is eternal. It was a time we are talking about eternity and time. Hell is timelessness. It does not have, does not, it does nothing to do with time. It continues and continues and continues and continues. And so Jesus Christ in his love screams and talks to the disciple. Remember Lord's wife. That's the shortest verse of scripture after John 11.35. You must not forget. As you pray, you must not forget to obey this God. As you sing aloud, you must not forget. To obey this God. Why? Because Lot's wife was a child of God. Oh yes, she was. Do you think she was a murderer? No, she was not a murderer for God's sake. Do you think she was an adulterer? No, Lot's wife was not an adulterer. She was not. You think she was a gossip? No, she wasn't a gossip. The Bible did not say so. Lot's wife was just like you and me. We prayed. Yes, she prayed also. 
We sing praises to God. Yes, she sang praises to God in her own time. She was there when her husband prayed. When her husband studied the word of God. She did with him. She was there. She was there. But Jesus still points out that what is, what is inbred in the heart of men, what is there in the heart of men, is so important. If your heart is a heart of steel, then there is a problem. That's a problem. You have to change. There has to be a change. There has to be a change. She looked back from behind. From behind. From behind. The Bible says God was talking to, talking about Enoch. And it says he walked with God. But she was walking from behind. Tell me what must have made her to go behind. Her husband was older. So, naturally, organically, because he is older, he should take up the rear. But this woman was coming from behind. She was the last person. Why? Sodom was still in her heart. And her heart was still in Sodom. Sodom was in her heart. And her heart was still there. I said, you mean we cannot go back to this place? You mean everything will be burnt down? So I cannot even look back? No. She looked back. And instantly. Do you know there are people who like behind? To come from behind? Even, say God, even though God says, walk with me. Let's go together. Say, no, 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 no I want to be behind. Uh, so that sometimes I will not pray. So that sometimes if they ask me to walk in the house of God. I will say, when God speaks to me. God will never speak to you. Listen to me. If you start waiting for a time, God will speak to me. It means he has already spoken to you and you are disobeying. That's the meaning. That is the meaning. Because he said, if you come to me with an idol, I will answer you with an idol. That's what God said in Jeremiah. It's frightening. It's frightening. She was behind. Do you know even in the church of God, there are people who can never sit in front. No way. Impossibility. To sit in the front seat, no way. No way. You should be free to sit anywhere. Can you say praise the Lord? I didn't hear you. Can you say praise the Lord? You should be free. When God calls you to walk in his vineyard, you should go there. Because whatever is on the inside, he wants to change it out. In obedience, God will change it out. And when he changes it, no man can turn it the other way. Praise the Lord. You see, it is only with love that God will chasten us. God will chasten a child that he loves. He dearly loves. When you hear the word of God, do not dilly do not tarry and linger. You obey. You obey. You obey. When we finish, we're going to make an altar call. And when we do that, we're going to ask you. You are going to ask yourself, God, what is in me that will categorize me under Lord's wife? The category of Lord's wife. What's in me? What's in me? Is it self-will? Is it the category of self-will or the category of the will of God? If you are the category of will of God, and you want to be in the category of will of God, you will now, that time you will raise your hand and you will be prayed for today. That's a new beginning. A new beginning to, for you to be a prayerful. A new beginning for you to study the word of God. A new beginning for you to obey the, the word of God and the things of God. 
God. You see, time is running out on us. Time is running out on us. If you have an hourglass, you will see the sands of the hourglass begin to trickle down, trickle down, trickle down. Time is running out on us. And Jesus is still saying, remember Lord's wife. So what is in your heart? What is it that you are doing that he points to you and says, remember Lord's wife? Do you know that when you give up whatever thing you are doing, God will bring you back a son again, a daughter again. He will refresh you. He will refresh you. Sometimes when I look at the judgment upon Lord's wife, it frightens me. Do you know that there are certain judgments that people don't even have time to repent? She looked back and she turned instantly into a pillar of salt. You cannot say, God forgive me. She just thought it's just like somebody who dies in an accident. Just dies in an accident. Just like the people, I mean, how many of them, there was, a, there was an accident sometime, and then there were eight of them in the tanker. They drove right through to a tanker, the, the, the fuel tank, and it exploded. It caught fire. They were raised down. You could see their bones, scarred, scalenting altogether. No time to say, God forgive me. It's gone. It's gone. It's frighteningly gone. It's frighteningly gone. But that was a miracle, isn't it? Nobody prays for that kind of miracle. That a healthy human being that was talking and speaking and moving, you are turned to a pillar of salt. My God, have mercy. That's not any, the miracle that anybody wants. That's not the miracle that anybody wants. Praise the Lord. And I believe that there's going to be a repentance. And I believe that God is going to touch our hearts. And I believe that this morning, with all these songs we have sung here, we have sung here, with all the things that raising our hands and thanking God, mercy will drop down like the dew from heaven. And the God of eternity will have mercy upon his children. But it also means that we have to build our house on a solid rock. It also means that from this day, we must say to this God, God, I want to obey you. I truly would want to obey you. I truly would want to obey you. Sometimes it is time for you to look back at your life and say, what is it in my life that at some point I'm up and then I'm down again. I'm up, I'm down again. Some people in the secrecy of their life, you cannot imagine what they do. They know. And you know. It could be a besetting sin. Something that's been lingering, it's lingering over, over, over time. Over time. And you, you're up and you're down and you're up and you're down and you're up. That happened to Lord's wife. That was her problem. Her problem was her heart was still and solid. And nothing would change her heart. Nothing would melt her heart. She was familiar with God. That's the worst word. She was so familiar with God that, oh, I sinned one day and I prayed and he forgave me. And the next day I prayed and he forgave me. I prayed and he forgave me. So it becomes a pattern, cyclic disobedience. Disobedience that was inbred in this woman. And she was moving from pillar to post every single day with that disobedience. She was familiar with the God of the universe. That's a frightening thing. There was a man by the name of Prince Eli that was so familiar with God that he said, 
It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good unto him. Do you know he paid with his life? God is a God of mercy. God is a God of love. He loves us so much. So much. But never one day will we take it for granted. No. We want to love him. He's our daddy. We want to love him. He died on the cross for us. We pray and he answers our prayer. But he still reminds us, remember Lord's wife. I don't want to lose you. That is the meaning. I don't want to lose you. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. Because that woman's life was lost for eternity. Eternity. Gone. She was gone. Completely gone. Irredeemably gone. You're going to ask yourself. And because sometimes, you know, that when people sin, the consequence of sin is not paid, it's not rewarded instantly. So they go about and they continue in sin. How heart-rendering that is. I want to believe that as you search your heart, that God is going to do a new thing. That the God of mercy, He is still here. No matter what sin that dogs your life, that follows you by the day, Follows you like a limpet, clings onto you. And no matter where he goes, you go. He goes with you. That sin will drop in the name of Jesus. That weight will drop in the name of Jesus Christ. But it comes with a sincere heart. A sincere heart. Do you truly want to know this God? Do you truly want to repent? It does not matter whether you lead a home caring fellowship. It does not matter whether I'm a pastor. It does not matter. The same word God is saying. Jesus says, remember Lord's wife. He was talking to Peter. He was talking to John. He was talking to every one of them. Those are mighty people who God used to do mighty works and miracles. Mighty works and miracles. He did that. So he's saying to me, Jesus is saying to me, he's saying to you, he's saying to every single person. And children, do you know sometimes Satan is so terrible that your mommy and daddy could be so given to the Lord and they want to obey God and do everything to please him. But you are out there thinking that the salvation on your mommy and daddy saves you. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Don't allow Satan to use you to wreck the life of your parents. Don't you allow that. No, don't you allow that. Hear, hear the word of the living God. That this afternoon, repentance will come to your soul. Jesus was talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He looked at him and in one, and he looked at the tower that fell and he killed, killed so many people. And those people thought the tower fell upon these ones just because they were worse sinners. And Jesus said, do you think they are worse sinners? He says, repent, lest you perish. In verse 1 of Luke 13, and in verse, in verse 3 and in verse 5 of Luke 13, he said the same thing, he repeated the same thing. Do you know that there are times you don't hear the word of God this way again? It's all wonderful, glorious things we do. But I can tell you, righteousness is what takes us to heaven. But no matter what happens, no matter what we are going through, don't forget, 
It is the righteousness, the virtue, the virtue of righteousness and of holiness that can take us to heaven. Children, hear the word of God. Your father's prayer is reached heaven. You must, you must submit to God. You must submit to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm. You see, the world is going, the church is going worldly, and the world is going churchy. So, to separate the world from the church becomes so difficult. Because everybody is just there. Everybody has a gospel. Everybody has his own gospel. This is my way of interpretation. No, why don't you talk about grace and it's all grace and it's all marvelous grace. And Paul screams there in Romans 6. He said, do you think that grace will abound so that we'll continue in sin? God forbid. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's what Paul said. He said, God forbid. Must we continue in sin that grace will abound? He said, God forbid. God forbid. He knows the heart of God. That what takes you to heaven, wonderful for the miracles, wonderful for the mighty outworkings of God, but that does not take you to heaven. What takes you to heaven is the salvation, the justification that clothes your entire being. That you are born and you are sanctified and you are justified. Just if I never sinned. That is what takes you to God. Thank God for the miracles. Those miracles will come. We call them Jara. Do you know Jara? They are additional. Seek your first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. And all these things shall be added. They are all additional. Additives. Little things here and there. God will add unto you. That's why he said, if you pray in my name, he said, I will answer. Why? Because you are clothed with righteousness. He knows that you are for him. He knows with a knowing, just like he knows Abraham. Just like he knows Samuel. He knows that Samuel will order his house after him. That Abraham will order his house after him. Are we ordering our house after him? Are we ordering our house after him? Take a look at your children. Take a look at the kids also. Take a look at yourself. We don't want, God does not want a house that is split. No, God does not want a house that is split. Lot must have regretted dearly. He must have regretted by the time he moved to the plains. Because God said, don't look back. So he would think that his wife was also coming because he did not have the opportunity to look at the pillar of salt out there that has been mortified and changed like that. He wouldn't look at it. He goes. The two, his two daughters are going. And they go an hour there thinking the mother that was coming from behind was following. Meanwhile, she had turned to a pillar of salt and they were all moving, not looking back. And they go back. So by the time they get to the place, and they turn back, where is she? Some people will think it's rapture. It's not rapture. Nobody rapture that she turned to a pillar of salt. They cannot even go back to bury her. She turned to a pillar of salt. Her husband would have whimpered and whined and said, God, what happened to me? Have mercy upon me. He lost his wife eternally from that day. And he would have said, oh God, I spoke to this, my dear beloved wife. 
she would not listen. He would have cried and cried and cried. But that kind of cry would not change anything. Bitter cries and that, in that situation, that circumstance, would not change anything. I pray that God will change us. As I pray that God will change us. Do you know that Jesus Christ was talking to a, 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 a brood of people? And then he referred to them. He said the things, he said the things that were done. So woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sidon, Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and arches. But I say unto you, it shall be more terrible for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. That's terrible. That's terrible. You know why? The grace of God has been poured upon us. The message of God is imposed upon us. There are some of us, if we were at home, we would not even be able to worship God. All kinds of sins and temptation all over the place. You are falling to sins. God knowingly brought you here. Divine placement, divine posting. He brought you here so that you could worship Him. So that you could, for a moment, see that... What do I call it? You could repose in Him. Lean on Him. You know, count on him that you too could grow spiritually. This is not the time for you to play. No. It is not. It is not the time for you to joke with the things of God. This is the time for you to grow in grace. Grow in the things of God. And God is reaching out to you now. And he says, My daughter, I love you. My son, I love you. If you would listen to me, I love you. The glory is going to come back to the temple. My grace will be sufficient unto you. But as many as would want to come to me, I will ask that they come to me. They will rise up. They will rise up. They will rise up. Hallelujah. You are here and you are saying, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I lost my first love. Pray for me. I want to be serious for this God. Pray for me. I want God to touch me afresh. I want God to heal me. I want God to heal my heart. I want God to help me. That is the place, that is the way that seems right unto man. And I do not understand. I rise up one day and the next day I'm down again to the pit. I'm praying. But I see that my prayer does not seem to have that breakthrough. But pastor, can you join me in prayer? As many as have that. Can you please come out? Can you please come out? We're going to pray with you. We're going to ask God on your behalf. Let God touch your heart. Let God enrich you with his blessings. Let God come down upon you, brother. Brother, my sister, you are out there. God is talking to you. You are out there, brother. God is talking to you. God is talking to you there. Are you there? You can hear his voice. He's talking to you. If you can come out, God is going to reach out unto you. No, harden not your heart. The days of his mercy, the days of his glory, the days of repentance, the days of his grace, don't you ever harden your heart. You can come out and God is going to touch you. God is going to touch you. Forget about your dignity. Forget about your dignity. Hell is worse than dignity. It is better that you are in heaven than in hell and you lose all dignity. Where the worm dieth not, the Bible says. But I know one thing. The God of mercy is going to have mercy upon you as he speaks to you. Is he talking to you, to me? Yes, I'm talking to you out there. Yes, I'm talking. I'll repeat again. Is that, I should repeat again. I repeat again. I'm talking to you. You can now come out. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Great is your faithfulness, blessed Father. Great is your grace, eternal Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Holy Father, I thank you. I bless your name because you are a God of grace. You are a God of mercy. That as many as come to you, you will in no wise cast them out. Behold your children. They have no power of their own. They have no power of their own. They submit unto you, blessed Father. And I pray, oh God, you will have mercy. You will have mercy. Just as I am. Just as I am. Just as I am, I come. I come before you, blessed Father. Just as I am without one plea, but that was shed for me, and now thou bidst me come to One more time. Just as I am without one thing, but that thy cross was shed for me, and now thou bidst me Father, behold your children. Behold them, blessed Father, your precious, precious children. I present all of them before your presence, O God. It is your grace that has led them here. Your grace that has led them here, blessed Father. Therefore, I pray, O God, that you will strengthen them. Everything that is not of them and of not of you, Father, you have taken it out now. Your grace, O God, will demolish every structure of the enemy. That the power of God will make manifest in their lives in the name of Jesus. O God, my Lord and my Father, in all of humility they have come. I pray that your grace will touch every one of them, Lord. Change them for eternity. O God, bless them and bless them abundantly. There are those also who are in the congregation. And for one reason or the other, Father, they've not been able to come out. Oh, I pray that the same grace will touch their lives. I pray that the same mercy will go forth in the name of Jesus. And bring us one, one body. One body indivisible. One body in Christ. We bless and magnify your name, O oh God. For the mighty things you have done in our day, in our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. In Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, the word of God says, He that has ear, that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We have all heard him clearly today. And our heart is supposed to respond. Even as we leave this auditorium, throughout the day, throughout the week. You need to meditate on what you have heard today. That the law will transform you from lost wife to lost himself. 
that you will take your stand and sin no more. Father, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our God, we thank you for a moment like this. Father, we thank you for your servants. Father, we bless your holy name for his life. Father, we worship you for the word that you have spoken to us. We thank you, O oh Lord, and we ask that the double flesh anointing will rest upon him, will rest upon his ministry, will rest upon his household in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask, O oh Lord, as many as have heard your word today, Father, we ask that you will turn our lives around for the glory of your holy name. Thank you, King of Glory. As we go this way, Father, go with us, O Lord. Let us experience you even more than before. And let your name be glorified. For we pray in Jesus' name. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Go in the peace of God.